Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, our final show of the week, and that means keys to victory. It will be Packers Cardinals noon central time kickoff on Sunday at Lambeau Field. The Packers at 4-6-1, trying to get win number five in this 2018 season. What's it going to take? You know, Mike, it's funny. Uh, we are now in week 13, as you uh, have alluded to in the past. We've gotten to this point. The records are what they are. Out of any game I think the Packers have played this season, maybe with the exception of the Buffalo Bills, it's a pretty clear and defined path to victory in what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the lines in this game uh, coming out of Vegas, you look at you know, what the outside perception is. Regardless of all what the narrative is, there's a reason why the Packers are favored in this. The Arizona Cardinals are in a tight spot right now under Steve Wilkes. And in speaking with the media this week, he acknowledged you know, some of the things that they've been working through. Him as a first-year coach, Josh Rosen as a rookie quarterback. All that being said, the Packers have to take care of business in this game. Yep. You asked me what the key to victory is. Everything's the key to victory. Aaron Rodgers needs to play well. The defense needs to take the ball away. Aaron Jones needs to get involved. Devontae Adams needs another 100-yard performance. Whatever it takes to get that victory, the Packers need to get it because at the end of the day, while Mike Pettin mentioned it, everybody in the locker room talked about it. You're not looking past the Cardinals. You cannot. You're not in a position to look past the Cardinals. The facts are what they are. The Cardinals are 2-9 and nine right now. They're on a three-game skid. They have the worst-ranked offense in 17 of the top 19 categories. Right. That's just the facts. For the Green Bay Packers, they need to pick up this win. They need to get on a winning streak here to, to make this – you know, potentially interesting here down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, as you said, this one all points to the Packers being so heavily favored because the Cardinals have struggled as much as they have. Obviously, the Packers are undefeated at Lambeau Field this year. I said it earlier this week. I said it on our Final Thoughts video, which is on our website, which we shot just before we came and sat down here and turned the cameras on. This is one of those games to me, all the circumstances and everything surrounding it, that this is a team you have to jump on them early, break whatever spirit they might have in terms of trying to pull the upset, right. and then you have to protect the football. And I think if you do that, the combination of the fact that the Cardinals are 2-9, and nine, they've had a really rough go of it here with their rookie head coach, they're a team from the southwestern corner of the United States that plays in warm weather, that plays in a dome, coming up to Lambeau Field where it's gonna, the temperatures are going to be in the 30s, don't give them any idea, any sense that they can win this game. And where they'll get a sense of winning this game is if the Packers don't start fast and if the Packers turn the ball over. Right. That, that's, that's how you give a team like this life in a situation like this. And to me, it's as simple as that. That's what the Packers have to do. Well, and it's kind of stunning in some ways with the Cardinals because we're, they're through 11 games here right now, Mike. They've only scored more than three touchdowns, more than 21 points in one occasion, and it was a 28-18 victory over San Francisco, who just so happens to be the only team they've beaten uh, this year. They did it twice. Yeah, two uh, victories. Over, uh, the, 49ers. over the Niners. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, you, the main reason, you always want to start fast. You always want to stomp on them early. But they're coming off a 45-10 to 10 loss against the Los Angeles Chargers. The thing I think a lot of people aren't talking enough about in that game is it was 45 unanswered by the Chargers to win that game. Right, the Cardinals had the lead early on. They led after the first quarter 10 to nothing. 
And the Chargers, and I believe they missed a field goal somewhere right. in there too, where they could have even pushed their lead a, a little bit higher. So I mean, if you're looking at it from the last three quarters perspective, this is a team that's really reeling now. As I mentioned in our preview show, Mike, on Wednesday, they still have a lot of playmakers. They still have a lot of people that can disrupt the game on both sides of the ball. Chandler's Jones, Patrick Peterson. We'll see whether or not Buda Baker's in the plans. Yeah. But on the other side of it, uh, the Green Bay Packers have played with some really good football teams in the last over the last month. I understand what the record is. I know they didn't win those games. But there's, a, there's levels to this, right? The Rams, Patriots... And heck, even to some extent, the Vikings and the in the Seahawks, they're on a different level right now than Arizona is. You can't play down to that. You have to come out. You have to look strong. You have to defend your home turf. Yeah. I did a little bit of statistical searching this week, Wes, with regards to uh, Steve Wilkes being a rookie head coach coming in here into Lambeau Field. I took a look at the entire Mike McCarthy era dating back to 2006 and when the Packers have faced a rookie head coach. Now, to define that, what I'm talking about is a head coach who's in his first season as a head coach in the NFL anywhere. So a coach who is in his first year with a team but has been a head coach somewhere else previously, not a rookie head coach that doesn't doesn't count. So, yeah, the Norv Turners, the John Foxes, you know, those guys who have switched teams and whatnot and faced the Packers, that doesn't count. Interesting thing that I found – is that Mike McCarthy actually has a pretty darn good record against these rookie head coaches. He's over his 13 seasons now. He is 24 and 9. And the interesting thing to me about that 9 in the loss column is that 3 of those 9 losses came in McCarthy's own rookie head coach season of 2006. So if you start at 2007 when McCarthy was no longer a rookie head coach, he's only lost 6 times in 12 years, including this year, to a rookie head coach. Now, the loss to the Lions and Matt Patricia, that's the most recent one here. But not including this year, you actually have to go back to 2013 when Aaron Rodgers was injured and the Chip Kelly Car- or Chip Kelly Eagles excuse me, came into Lambeau Field and beat the Packers in a game that Seneca Wallace started and then Scott Tolzien came in after the first series of the game. McCarthy had actually gone a handful of years without losing to a rookie head coach until uh, until the the loss in Detroit earlier this year. So Steve Wilkes having a rough go of it so far in uh, in Arizona and the track record for the Packers under Mike McCarthy. This is the type of game that they win. Well, and, and I don't want to set this all up as just everything's all doom and gloom with the Cardinals. They've had some things go well for them. I think David Johnson has reemerged in this offense over the last three games, so you have to be cognizant of him. There's talent on They're- the roster. There's there's no question yeah. about it. We talked about Chandler Jones with his yeah, 11 sacks, and he's a premier pass rusher in this league. The news sounds pretty good at this point on David Bakhtiari at left tackle being able to play for the Packers. He actually did more in Thursday's practice than was anticipated as long as his rehab and recovery and everything goes well. It sounds like he's going to play, but if he's not at 100%, you are going up against an all-pro caliber rusher. Yeah, absolutely. And and you look offensively, Larry Fitzgerald, we've talked about him this week, and in how savvy he is and what he could potentially do to you. But at the end of the day, there was a reason why I think a lot of people viewed the Cardinals being in a somewhat rebuilding mode in the, the post-Bruce Arians era and the Packers to initially be a title contender this season. It's the makeup of the roster. It's the overall depth of the team. And while the Packers are working through some injuries right now, I think stud for stud, playmaker for playmaker, there's the tilts to their side of the field. So... It, for me, I mean, I understand these last couple of weeks have been tough, and they've taken some on the chin on the road. 
as difficult that is, you have to flush it. And you have to remember what you did to the Miami Dolphins here three yep. weeks ago and what exactly went well in that game for the Packers to, for the most part, control the tempo of that entire contest. For Josh Rosen, one of the things I brought up in our final thoughts video that you referenced, six inter- or 11 interceptions, 11 turnovers, excuse me, I keep messing that up, over the last six games, nine interceptions, two fumbles lost. The Green Bay Packers have wanted to go get the football. They've wanted to turn over the football. Mike Pettin's big headline-type statement on Thursday night when he met with the media was, we have to take the football away. It's what his best defense is. In addition to be top 10 units with the Jets and the Bills, they also took the ball away a lot. That's the one thing that's missing. Rosen having the issues that he's had this year. As you've mentioned before, Mike, when they took on Josh Allen earlier this year, that turned out to be a recipe for success. They need to do that again. Yeah, and when you talk about the turnovers on defense, I'm sure everybody's getting tired of us talking about it and it being mentioned so often, but you, you can't, you almost can't harp on it enough because all you have to do is look a, a few hours south at the Chicago Bears and the fact that in the span of five days with two division games on the docket, a Sunday night game followed by a right. Thursday afternoon game, the Bears got two pick sixes from Eddie Jackson yeah. against Kirk Cousins and against Matthew Stafford that both proved critical to winning those games. The Bears are doing it with defense and takeaways. They lead the league in turnover margin. And yes, there is nothing that is necessarily spectacular about the Bears' offense. Mitch Trubisky is now injured. They're dealing with Chase Daniel as a backup quarterback. The Bears are winning with defense and turnovers. They're sitting there at 8-3 and three in the in the catbird seat in the NFC North because they take the football away. And I, I was uh, doing our Packers pregame radio uh, on Sunday uh, night before that game against Minnesota, and one of the things I said now – I'm not trying to disrespect anybody here when I say this, but in a lot of ways, the Bears kind of do remind me of, I believe it was that 2001 team where Jim Miller was their quarterback. Yes. Um, they, and I think it's a good was comparison. Anthony, Anthony Thomas was their running back still at that time, I think. Yeah, the um, Michigan back. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they did what they had to do offensively, and that defense was just so overpowering. And I believe they wrote it to a 13-3 and record that year. The train eventually stopped for them, but that was the year where Dick Duran really got that team going. To a certain extent, this team reminds me of that a little bit, just based on how defense has controlled the tempo of things. But at the same time, I still don't think they're unbeatable. I still think the Packers have a very realistic chance with Aaron Rodgers going into Soldier Field. They've done it in the past and winning. But none of that matters if you can't get past Arizona and Atlanta. So the big thing we've talked about, Mike, and it's been almost three months now, is that you have to get on a winning streak. This is tailor-made to start a winning streak for them. It's tailor-made to start building some momentum, and you have to capitalize on it. Well, as we usually do on our final show of the week, we take a look at other games around the league. And while we're talking about the Bears, they have the New York Giants this week. And that's a game that, on paper, a few weeks ago, everybody's already chalking it up as a Chicago Bears victory. But the Giants are playing better. They took the Philadelphia Eagles to the wire last week and probably should have beaten them, quite frankly. They had the lead, the bulk of the game. Saquon Barkley, an incredibly dangerous player. And it doesn't sound like the Bears are going to have Mitch Trubisky again. For all the talk about last week, the short week, it was on a Thursday, and if the game had been on a Sunday, Trubisky probably would have played. Well, here we are now. 
He's two weeks into his injury, and they're still talking about starting Chase Daniel in East Rutherford on Sunday. This is, I mean, I know the Giants are three and eight. This is no gimme for the Bears, and and with the Vikings coming off of their win over the Packers, the Bears, uh, the Bears don't want to lose that catbird seat that I just mentioned in the NFC North. Yeah, it's funny. One of the things I've kind of always said, I've never really said it on air, but I've always said it to people on the beat. You know. You can talk, but it's really that final inactive list that really speaks. Right. Uh, you know, exactly. You, can, you know, Matt Nagy can say, yeah, you know, if it wasn't. You can a short... put anybody questionable yeah. on the injury yeah. report, right? I yeah, mean, just... you, you can't get fined. Right. You can't get fined if a guy is questionable, whatever the ultimate decision Ask is. Ask Bill Belichick, right? But I mean, yeah. but that's the thing. Nagy said, you know, if it was a full week, he'd play. You just never know because yeah. these are human beings and injuries are very real. So, um, I've pay- I've paid attention to the Giants. I mean, I still think there are some glaring weaknesses in that team, but you know, with Barkley, with you know Odell Beckham Jr. seems to be in a groove right now, over a thousand yards again on the season. Evan Ingram is uh, is healthy again for them, or at least you know was able to return. So, potentially being able to to build some momentum there. I think this whole week, though, Mike, when you look at the NFC race. You know, the Vikings have to go over to New England. I mean, yeah, that was the next one I was going to ask you about. The Patriots hosting the Minnesota Vikings. That game will be right after the Packer game. Right. It's, it's the late afternoon kind of national TV spotlight there with uh, with Minnesota going to Foxborough. They're coming off their win over the Packers, and uh, and the Patriots suddenly everybody's talking about them getting the number one seed in the AFC again yeah. because of the because of the Steelers losing and the fact that they have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs the door's because, still open. because, because yeah. they beat them head-to-head, so the door is still open for New England to get the top seed in the AFC. And you look at it, Washington's traveling to Philadelphia. Somebody's going to take a loss there. Carolina's been up and down. They're going up against a Tampa Bay team that seemed to gain a little bit of momentum last week. And then certainly um, you, you see how this thing lines up with the Cowboys yesterday getting a much-needed victory over the Saints. So, yeah, there definitely is an any given Sunday approach right now to this conference. And we saw it. You outlined it, what this is going to be like for the Packers to get where they need to be. You have to win five games, and you have to see how the rest of the thing plays out. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that's underrated, Mike, and I've seen this in my own fantasy football league, if you win five straight games, it's amazing sometimes how the rest of the pieces start to fall in place for you. The Packers yeah. saw it in 2013. They saw it in 2016. The Bears still out from front with that division, but with how logjam this conference is right now, the door's still there. Yeah. What are your thoughts, quickly, before we go on that Thursday night game? Game. The Dallas Cowboys holding the uh, the most explosive offense in the NFC in the New Orleans Saints a ten game winning streak. It comes to an end at right. uh, Jerry's World thirteen to ten. The Saints had three first downs and fifty nine yards of offense, getting shut out in the first half, and then they just couldn't quite muster enough in the second half when they shut out the Cowboys themselves because the Cowboys were up thirteen nothing. Your thoughts on how that played out and what that means now in the NFC playoff? Well, picture. if you know Matt Arvin up in the studio would have our ability to play back uh, video, I said the day before this was going to be a supreme test for sh- for Dallas's defense and to show if they're legit or not. No, they're very legit. They showed and it. Yep. Amari Cooper has changed the structure of that offense. I mean. Dak Prescott, he had Des Bryant before he had Jason Witten. There was a dearth of options for him perimeter-wise. They went and got Amari Cooper, and I know it was only eight catches for 75 yards, but possession stuff like that, and watching him the way he moved the ball underneath, there just was so much more rhythm with that offense, despite the fact that Zeke Elliott didn't have this monster game. He only had 73 carry or 76 yards on 23 carries. 
And offensively, the Saints just couldn't get anything going on their end of things. So, yeah, yeah, the Dallas is right back in this thing. And Washington dealing with what they're dealing with injuries-wise, it puts them in a tough spot as well. That's what I was going to say is is now things kind of are setting up for Dallas just the way you would like. I know everybody was writing them off at 3-5 and and what's wrong with the Cowboys and is Dak Prescott really the quarterback of the future? Well, suddenly they've now won four in a row, the fourth win coming against uh, the top team in the NFC that was riding a 10-game winning streak in the Saints, and then their strongest competition in the mm-hmm. NFC East has a backup quarterback for the rest of the season right. because of that unfortunate and horrific injury to Alex Smith, while the Super Bowl champion, defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles just haven't quite found their footing yet and are still trying to get back to 500 to say that, yeah, yeah, we're still in this thing. Yeah, it's it's still right there for everybody, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, as we begin to wrap up the show, Mike, am I allowed to potentially add another segment to this thing? Sure. I know you're the, yeah, you, you run hey, the book show here. It's Friday. Um, I do want to make notice that this is the My Cause, My Cleats weekend uh, for the Packers. Now, the way it works is you can do it basically any week time between week 13 and week 15 that okay. window's open a majority of the players though wearing cleats for certain causes uh Devontae adams cystic fibrosis reggie gilbert a number of different guys aaron Rodgers, i believe doing the wounded warrior fund um but also i want to mention jair alexander who i had yeah. a chance to embed with earlier this week uh at a uh, event he hosted for the boys and girls club of green bay uh, wrote a story for that on our website also some great multimedia things we did as well it's a really good piece by the way you should definitely check it out kind of gives you a little bit more of an insight into alexander's background and and just kind of the the personality that he is off the field because we've seen so much of what he's like on the field yeah and, and the my biggest takeaway if you get a chance to check it out or even if you don't is kind of getting an understanding for how something like boys and girls club what kind of lasting impact that can have on an individual. In Jair Alexander's case, um, you know, he, he had some very humble beginnings. Football wasn't immediately presented to him as an option. There were some things that his family had to overcome. Well, it was actually through the Boys and Girls Club down in his hometown of Charlotte that he got introduced to it, was able to play Pop Warner football through it. Um, he, he said it wasn't, you know, always glamorous. You know, the fields that they played on had thorns and holes and things like that. He'd go home and he'd be scratching and itching. But it was there that he developed the love for it. And then as time went on, he realized this is something that I can actually do to potentially help improve my family situation, you know, and had a chance to bring 20 kids out from the Green Bay Boys and Girls Club. Uh, They went to Flow Yoga. Um, If you know anything about Ryan Cunningham, she works with a lot of Packer players, Tremont Williams being one of her main ones, Um, and being able to just sit down with kids for 45 minutes, an hour, did all the yoga poses with them, did the meditation, then had probably the biggest, most interactive Q&A session I think I've ever witnessed from 7- to 12-year-olds. I mean, yeah. it was incredible how engaged they were with it. Uh, Jair Alexander has a real interesting personality, as we've talked about in the past, extremely extroverted, very confident in himself, but also has a real tremendous ability to get on the level of anybody. And in this case, it was interacting with kids that he'd never met before but made a point to learn their name and yeah. and be able to have that kind of relationship and talking to the organizers of it, just something that those kids are going to remember forever. Yeah, he's very relatable, certainly. And I think if I were to pick out a favorite part of your story, which I really enjoyed reading, it was when you were talking to Jair about his reaction to seeing one of the kids yeah. from the Boys and Girls Club wearing his number 23 jersey. And when you're talking about a kid who was 
part of a boys and girls club, as you said, back in Charlotte and playing, learning the game and falling in love with the game on these bumpy fields that, you know, wrecked, you know, bruised up his body and all of that kind of stuff because uh, because there just weren't the, the great parks to play in where he grew up. His his reaction to seeing you know, a young boy at the at the Boys and Girls Club of Green Bay wearing a number 23 jersey, kind of a, a touching part of the story, to say the least. And he said, I mean, money, you know, doesn't matter where you come from, $100 is $100 yeah. to spend on jerseys. And when he was a kid, he had one jersey. It was Michael Vick, number seven. He got it for his seventh birthday. He treasured that thing. It means a lot to him. So it doesn't matter if it's a young boy, you know, sitting in the Boys and Girls Club and he wants to go over there and have a conversation with them. We saw it at CenturyLink Field when we were in Seattle. There was our two fans sitting in the crowd during warm-ups. Yeah. He went over there and sought him out. I mean, it means a lot to him to get that kind of a support and appreciation. And it's interesting to hear the paradox between, you know, he doesn't pinch himself if he's lining up across from Larry Fitzgerald. Or, or if it's a, a you know Adam Thielen or one of these top receivers, but there is an aspect to seeing a kid or a, a person, you know, having his jersey that that sort of brings him to in understanding how far he's come and everything that played into him getting to the position that he's in right now. Yeah, well, a great story and hopefully a uh, a guy who's going to be with the Packers for a long time to come. Sure. So with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday's game against the Cardinals on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>